0: guys
1: We Turned Out Okay: The Modern Parent's Guide to Old School Parenting. I want to hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want
0: to
1: climb to the top of that tree. And now here's your host, Karen Locke Cole.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 11. Episode 11. Kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. And I also have to say, I've had a pretty crazy week. So I am going to tell you right now that I got a little bit of a scratchy voice. I have been spending some time doing something that we love to do. And that is camping. I've been camping with uh, actually some of the people whose voices you've heard here on We Turned Out Okay. If you listen to episode 000, you'll remember... Uh, my friend Shannon, we camped with her this this past week, and uh, and her sons, uh, her three strapping young boys, and two of them you'll recognize their voices as well because they are uh, two of the boys who are on that. You just heard them; they were on the intro to the show, and they'll be on the outro as well. Um, their names are Will and Charlie, and they are the best buds of my youngest, Jason. And so we've just had, we've had a crazy fun week. I actually got to take out my recorder. I have this really fun little recorder. I'm, I will not geek out over it here, but I've become an equipment geek. Like there are just so many cool things that have to do with audio. I don't, like when I go to a bar now, I... I look at this, this big thing with all those lights called the mixer. And I have like this tiny, awesome, I love my mixer. I have this tiny, awesome little mixer. But it's probably like, I don't know, 12 inches square or something like that. It's really small. And I'll go to a bar and I'll be like, whoa, those mixers are like, check out this mixer. It's like five times the size of mine with all these extra tracks and, I don't know, cool effects and stuff like that. So I'm not going to geek out over that, though. But one fun thing that I did get to do while camping was I got to take out my little Zoom and a little set of headphones and a, and a microphone and talk to the people that we were camping with. We camped with a huge group of people um, and, I, you know, I, I got to talk to people about their summer memories. Uh, we were present on the beach when a dad caught a huge big bass, which was pretty awesome And you'll be you know what I'm going to be doing is over the summer as uh, so we turned out okay. is we're kind of putting our usual four themes on hiatus for the summer because it's vacation. So so we turned out okay. is going to summer camp. And that means for you, the listener, that you'll get to hear it's going to be so much fun. I mean, I can't even get into it right now, but one of the things that I did was I recorded some some. I don't know, just some sounds from like games that kids were playing, like volleyball. And um, I saw, I talked to people about their favorite summer memories. And I got some really good ones coming up for you. And I'm just going to kind of inject a little bit of this summer feel, I'm hoping, into every podcast for the next eight weeks. The one uh, So we have one more in June after this. And then I'll have July and August, I, it, we're, we're going to be at summer camp, so hopefully you'll really get a feel for that. And then in September, we'll come back and we'll have our our regularly scheduled programming. We'll be back to, you know, Unplanned Adventures and the three R's, teaching our kids how to read, write, and arithmetic, and uh, the other ones, Kids Through the Ages and Risky Business, helping our kids take risks. So, I mean, all those things are going to be present in the in the summer ones, but we're going to be just, it's going to be a little bit more of an adventure. So come along for the ride. I hope you do. And I hope you enjoy it. Anyway, here we are at episode 11. And before we get into helping our kids, helping your kids love to read, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the kind of feedback we're getting out in the world. I had a mom while we were camping today who, uh, not today, yesterday, while we were camping, she she hadn't really heard uh, even of the podcast before. And we're talking together. And I'm describing that, you know, I have this podcast that helps parents who are worried, you know, kind of parents of young children who like me just worry about everything. And anyway, I help those parents have more fun and worry less. And I talked about uh, some of the episodes like the one called When Siblings Attack, which was a few episodes ago, if you remember, that was the one where I uh, reviewed this great book that I love called Siblings Without Rivalry. And It's how to help your kids get along better together. And this woman said to me, I feel like it's like, you know, exactly what I need. And gosh, that made me feel good. I mean, I I think that's what it's all about is, is, I mean, I was such a worried parent. I was such an uncomfortable, frightened, like, what if I take the wrong step kind of parent when my kids were young. And, uh, and that, that can be really, really detrimental. So Plus, it's just no fun. It sucks. So anyway, the, when this mom said that to me, she was like, it's like you're channeling what I'm thinking in my head and, and and you know, helping with it. That just made me feel really, really good. And I hope that you feel that way, too. And today I, I wanted to uh, read an iTunes review. I have been getting a lot and they're amazing. And they really help me know that I'm on the right track with you guys and guys and girls. I really try not to say guys, but sometimes I do. I mean, without saying girls as well, because we are not all guys, right? But it is it's it is something that I do say a lot in my personal life. So I'm going to try not to let it carry over to the podcast. So moms and dads, uh, I, have a, I, I chose an iTunes review that I wanted to read for you all today. It's called extraordinary resource for parents and it's got a five-star rating it's by mmllc and mmllc says i'm so glad to have found wtoo podcast that's us Woo! i'm so glad to have found wtoo podcast karen and her ability to shed light on topics we all consider as parents is an invaluable resource keep them coming please Thank you so, so much, LLC. That makes me feel so good, and I know I'm on the right track when I got people saying great stuff like this. So with that, I think we're going to get into the main part of the show, which is how to get your kids to love reading. It does seem like a daunting task, especially with all the screens and all the crazy stuff that we have in our world today, but it's, it doesn't have to be that daunting. And in real time here on the show, I'm recording this just at the end of June, we are, actually it's mid-June, I guess. It's still mid-June. We can call it that. We don't have to make our summer go by faster than we needed to. So we're just getting into summer here, and that means the kids are spending time out of school, and so many parents worry about something that you don't need to worry about at all. So many parents worry about their kids backsliding, this idea that like if they're not in a classroom, that somehow that's going to that's going to make them, I don't know, lose brain cells or something like that. It does not have to be that way. Kids can have fun and wring every last bit of joy out of summer without needing academic workbooks, especially young kids. I mean, I know, you know, as you get, as we get into our high school, college, maybe even arguably middle school age, um, things can be a little bit more academic. But that's because, that's because you're finding interest. You're finding things that you you love when you're a little bit older. When you're a kid, when you're a small kid, you know, say under 7s or 7 and under, we'll, we'll we'll call it 7 and under. The the kid the kids that age or of those ages, they do not need to be worrying about filling out worksheets and checking off boxes and stuff like that. They need enriching experiences and they need to be able to write and maybe draw and especially talk process their enriching experiences, because that's, that's how you foster, like, if if you, if you, if you go out into your backyard, and you see a frog, and you talk about that frog, and you you maybe you catch it, and you, you know, can kind of hold it and whatever, talk to it and feel it in in your hands. And then you let it go. So he can go or she can go back out into the woods where they want to be and then rather than just kind of letting that go like here's a here's a way to to not backslide rather than just letting that go go inside get a sketchbook and draw a picture of that frog and make make a mark of the date that you found that frog and and i mean if your child is really young like 2 or something like that or or whatever age i mean you know it doesn't have to be strictly 2 and under but if you feel like your child is too young to kind of want to take on all the responsibility of writing down everything you know and drawing things like this then then maybe get them started or do it for them but um if you do that like starting from when they're really young if you if you make notes of important things and if you think of catching a frog as an important thing something that you're going to want to remember then then the way to not backslide is to combine the the catching of the frog with the memory with the remembering of the catching of the frog so get a little sketchbook and just write a little note in it and and you know maybe your three-year-old or your two-year-old could make a smiley face if they were happy if this memory made them happy and that's a way to not backslide but it really that's kind of a, a little aside uh it's not one of my six tips go catch frogs and make sketches about them but it's a good one I think it maybe I need to include it uh I, but I am saying that we all need enriching experiences, and I think you can argue that the youngest, these kids of seven and under, need enriching experiences more than anything else, because it connects up with, it connects up with the academics. It's it's the combination of enriching experiences and then being able to process them through writing, through drawings, through talking. Uh, that's what's going to help your child not backslide in the summertime. So you can throw away your academic workbooks and just enjoy. And so I guess the question is, how do you keep up the academics without keeping up the academics? First, you take a deep breath and you relax. You, you take a deep breath, you exhale, and then you relax. Next, you recognize the kids are learning all the time and that summertime may be a good, advan- you know, the advantage of summer is that you can, you can see how else they learn because it's not all about textbooks and what you learn inside the classroom. And finally, you can take advantage of the following six steps to helping your kids love reading. Before we get into this, just so that you don't feel like you're scrambling to write everything down, I, I did make a PDF document outlining these six steps. So all you have to do is go to my website, com. And on the front page, there's a button Actually, I have to say there isn't a button yet as I am recording this, but there will be a button by the time this podcast drops. So click that button. It's going to say, help my readers. And if you click that button, you will be able to uh, give me your email address so that I can give you this, this PDF. And that way you don't have to write it down. You're happy. I'm happy. You have it in your computer, your iPad, whatever, or you can even print it out and and go old school and bring it with you to the beach. (laughs) And also the other great thing about this PDF is that I put in there a bonus uh, kind of resources section of, I think it's eight eight resources that they're largely books that that you are not going to be able to live without. And and I'm talking books, you know, for every age from most of them, I would say, are, are from like kind of babies on through up maybe. Seven. There's a couple for older kids um, that are just so much fun and adults. And there's one book that I feel like has been a, just a great resource for for me, for for making for making reading into kind of a game. So I actually I also have the companion to this, which is which is a re- one about making uh, writing into a game because my kids are great readers, but they're not maybe so much thrilled with writing. So anyway, um, you can get all of that information, these six steps and the bonus resources section by going to weturn.ok.com and clicking the button that says help my readers. So here we go with our six steps. Step one is let kids choose for themselves what to read. It is moms and dads out there. It is all about control. As you know, because they want to they wanna control so much in their lives and they just don't have that opportunity. If we think about the amount of times we have to say no to our kids, I think I'm going to do a whole show on how to make no sound like yes because that is, it's so hard. I mean, imagine being a little kid and every impulse that you have is no, 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 no. It just gets, you get told that. Well, it almost, I mean, I would say, I would argue that unless you are providing your children, you know, X-rated content or something like that, it does not matter what they're reading, as long as they're reading, they got to love what they're reading. So let them choose for themselves. It doesn't matter if it's Calvin and Hobbes, or, or, I don't know, uh, you know, comic books about Batman or, or whatever. It's it matters that they get to make this choice. And you know, just think about that, you're in a bookstore, you're in the library, they get to make so few choices in their lives, let them choose what to read. Don't censor that. And so that's, that's the first one. Step two is let them share about their reading or not as they choose. And for this, for this step to let this really sink in, I want to imagine that you're at work and that you are, are in the middle of reading some kind of big document that, you know, you have to read for work and your boss, you're in a meeting and your boss says to you in front of 16 other people, all right, so, you know, tell me about this, summarize this for me. And you say, I, you you think to yourself, my gosh, I'm I'm not ready to summarize about this. Like, I I got to process this a little bit more. And so what you say out loud is, I I'm sorry, but I'm just not quite ready yet. I mean, I just, I want to, I want to really think about this. I want to give you guys the best summary that I can. Guys and girls, sorry about that. I want to give you all the best summary that I can, based on what I read. And I haven't, I don't feel like I've, I've really got it down quite yet. And so your boss could go one of two ways, right? Your boss could say, what the crud! Like you know, what are you? You're not you're not pulling your weight. You're 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 screwing us all up here, or your boss could say, you know what? Great, I'm really going to appreciate when you get back to us with this information that you're doing it. You're you're giving us the best of what you have read and processed. So, and then think about you know put that into your your children's eyes. So a lot of times we as parents will. We want to make sure, quote unquote, using air quotes there, that our kids are doing what, you know, what assigned reading they have. So like if they're in a library program over the summer or if they're old enough or in a school system where where they have to read a certain amount of books or they have to read, they have to choose from a specific list. And it's our instinct to say to to check kind of to make sure that they're really they're really reading that they're, you know, so you, you might you might quiz them. You might say like, well, you know, what's happening in this chapter or. Um, you might you might ask them some question that really gets their back because they know and they're gonna know, believe me, that what you're trying to do is check on them and like make sure that they're following the rules. And just think about how frustrating that that can be. You know, go back to that situation where maybe you're in a boardroom with a bunch of people and you're put on the spot. Nobody likes to be put on the spot. So what you want to do in step two is you want to somehow work your way around to being just two people talking books. You know, just shooting the breeze about favorite moments and favorite books. And and one of my ways that one of my favorite ways to do this is to instead of saying, you know, what are you reading? What's give me three things that have happened in this chapter, instead of doing that, say to them, Oh, you know, wasn't that crazy when 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 Skink, you know, he, one of my favorite characters from Carl Hiaasen, wasn't that crazy when Skink uh, tasered himself so that he could not tasered. He actually didn't tase himself. What he did was he put a dog collar on himself to make sure that the person he had um, the villain that he was trying to set right. He wanted to make sure that when he put the dog collar on the villain, that the villain was not going to uh, basically die. He wanted to test it on himself first. So anybody out there reading this, you have to go to the Carl Hyacin section of your library and get out as many Carl Hyacen books as you can, because they're hilarious and awesome. But maybe not for kids. <laughs> just, just saying, this is an adult example. Um, and I don't mean adult in the X-rated sense. I just mean that there's probably a little bit more in there than you want your under eight-year-olds to be, to be reading about. So, but you say to your child, wasn't that crazy when Skink put the dog collar on to test it on himself? And then you're giving, you're not saying, did you blah, blah, blah. You're saying what you're, you're saying, wasn't it hilarious when this happened? Wasn't it great when fudge, when fudge ate the turtle, you know, or, um, did you laugh as much as I did when, when fudge's big brother, Peter, you know, takes a leak in the plant? I mean, there are just, there are so many connections like that, that you can make with books with your kids. And if you do it that way, you are getting the information that you need. You know that you know what they're reading and you know what they're getting out of it, but you're not putting them on the spot. You're not you're not making them feel uncomfortable like they're being quizzed or something like that. In short, what you're doing is you're opening communication lines and you're not closing them down. Because kids will know if you're trying to catch them out for not reading what they should be reading. So so those are steps one and two so far we've covered. Let kids choose for themselves what to read. Let them share about their reading or not as they choose. Step three is let them, please, please, please let them make mistakes when they read aloud. Don't interrupt to correct their reading. And I think this is a mistake that we make so, so often. It's really tempting even for me to do it. Even today, I will, I will sometimes be tempted to just jump in there and say, no, no, that's wrong. But if you do that, you're, you're, you're just think about what you're doing that when you interrupt to correct reading you're getting you're providing a distraction you you need to think about the the content of what the child is reading what are they, if they're reading to you or if they're reading to i don't know their sister or something like that the overall point of the of the passage of the page of the story is what you want them to remember and come away with and if we are constantly interrupting to say oh you spelled that wrong oh that you know you pronounced that wrong um it, You you, you're not, you're sort of not, you're not accomplishing the purpose of helping them understand what they are reading. You're detracting from that. So instead, you know, think about, first of all, think about all the things that they're getting right as they're, as they're reading, you know, uh, maybe they screw up the name of like a state capital or something, but the, their understanding where you know where to pause because they they recognize where the comma is maybe or they they nailed the meaning of this sentence and if it's funny they laugh at the end and that's how you know that they nailed it right so think about all the things that they're getting right and when you do correct because sometimes you just have to um, think about how and when so if they totally garble as i said just a second ago if they if they completely garble a state capital you can wait until they're at the end, till they're taking a breath or until they are, you know, moving on to the next paragraph or something like that. And then you can say something that is not going to hit them over the head with, Hey, you dummy, you know, you screwed this up. Uh, when you, when you do inter- interrupt to correct make it be almost in the form of a question kind of like in step 2 you you want to say something like wow i never knew that the state capital was spelled that way isn't that funny because then what you're doing is you're taking the emphasis off of the mistake that they made and you're 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 forming again you're forming a communication line you're 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 making your child feel like oh wow okay other people see this the way that i saw it i mean i for god for a long long time um i could not understand how the word ballet meant ballet the dance, because it looks like ballet, right? I was like, what the crud? Why are people talking about ballet when clearly that is ballot?" <laughs> so, uh, you know, helping your child to understand that other people see things wrong, too, or, you know, that other people make mistakes as well, and that you can you can have a line of communication while you're sitting on the couch listening to your child read, much more important than that they understand that that state capital is pronounced that way um you're 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 forming a connection there, so yeah, only correct at an appropriate point and do it without hitting them over the head with their mistake uh and finally in in this same step three, know when to nitpick and when not to nitpick you really moms and dads here, please pick your battles because again if you, if you interrupt and interrupt and interrupt, you are. You're, you're not, our ultimate goal is to have content, right? To have them understand the content. And, and if you can walk away with a sort of positive communicative feeling, that's what you want. And we don't, and believe me, I know this from, from experience because we all had to start somewhere. (laughs) My, my experiences was, was as a teacher. So I used to, I used to jump in and and be like, no. uh, uh uh And, and what I found was that kids didn't understand the content because I was, making sure that they hit every comma or that they hit every word you know that they that they pronounced every word correctly so so know when not to nitpick pick your battles choose your battles and overall end up with a real positive feeling with your child that's what you want and step four is and i love this one this is my favorite one on the whole list better yet you read aloud to your child because reading aloud is awesome if it's funny, you can laugh together about what you're reading. It gives you shared experiences that you can talk about later. And in many cases, I'm talking years later. I mean, we still just yesterday, we were on the beach, I said we were camping. And my Jason, who's 10, was talking with a friend about um, the books and movies for The Hobbit. And I was just remembering, we were remembering together that what we did was we watched the first Hobbit movie, it was out in theaters. And it ends. It's like it gets a third of the way through the book and then it ends. And the kids and I, the kids were probably, I don't know, 12 and 12 and 8, maybe 11 and 7, something like that. And we decided we didn't want to wait for the next movie to come out a year later. Instead, what we did was we we went home and opened up our book, The Hobbit, and started reading it. And we get to a point in the later part of the book. And I, I hope I'm not giving anything away. I mean, I, I there might be a spoiler here about The Hobbit. Just just FYI. So the a very favorite, favorite character passes away towards the end of The Hobbit. My Jason, I think he was eight, is howling on the couch and and his big brother and I are trying to uh, help him feel better. And one of the things that I said, because I'd completely forgotten how The Hobbit ends. One of the things that I said, well, at least I said, well, at least he's still got Feely and Keely. They're going to carry on the family tradition. Right, and I settle him down. We settle him down, and we start reading again. And, and like on the next page, in the same battle, Feely and Keeley uh, bite the dust as well. And now he, so I'm reading. It says something like, uh, you know, Feely and Keeley fought valiantly basically until they died. And my Jason, he didn't stop crying about that for like days because he was so upset. But now it's a funny memory. Like now we look back on this shared experiences that we had of reading together. And Max does too. He was 12 at the time. And first of all, just imagine cuddling up on the couch with your 12-year-old. You don't really get the chance to do that very much, right? So I got one kid on one side of me, one on the other. We are all together really invested in this in this great book. And so now Max and I are trying to comfort poor Jason. And uh, and anyway, he was telling his friends about that on the beach yesterday, just how funny it was that like that that's how it happened for him, that he found out that Feely and Keely do not make it to the end of the book. <laughs> so, yeah. So in many cases, you got years later that you are still sharing these experiences that you had with reading. It's so, so powerful. It's a great habit to get into because because you can just there's so much there like it's Sometimes you'll feel like, I bet you do already, that you just don't have anything in common with your child. Well, this is a great way. Reading aloud is a great way to make something in common with your child. And if you're wondering where to start, well, then download the resources that come along with the PDF of six ways to help your kids love reading uh, that you can find again over at my website, www. nobody says that anymore. But anyway, we turned out okay.com. And just click that button because that's how you're going to get some of the resources that we have laughed so hard at and enjoyed so much as we read aloud together. So that's steps so far. We've done steps one through three. Step one was let kids choose for themselves what to read. Step two is. Yeah, where's step two? There it is. Step two is let them share about their reading or not as they choose. I'm reading from a list. Step three is let them make mistakes when they read aloud. Step four is better yet, you read aloud. If you don't, if you do nothing else on this list, please do step four. And step five is, and this is a weird one, but anyway, it's great. Find a pet they can read to. It's, it's, I I can't tell you how much this has made a difference in, in the life of my Jason. So Jay was not a struggling reader. He was he was actually a great reader. Um, once he started, he started late. He probably was six before he really broke the um, cracked the code, which is when you you go from not reading to kind of re- cracking the code is when you can take the letters D O G and form them and pronounce the word dog. That's what happens when you crack the code. So he didn't do that till he was about six, but he by the time he was eight, he was reading like a college professor. I mean, the kid is incredible. And I mean, just a little pride there, I know, (laughs) a little braggy, but it's so great to hear him read. Anyway, at the library, at our library, they instituted a program when he was eight of you could, you could, your child could read to a therapy dog. And this dog was awesome. His name was Indiana Bones. He was just, he still, and actually we saw him in the library the other night. He's still around. He still reads to the littles. And reading to a dog is so different from reading to an adult because dogs do not judge at all. They don't care if you read the same picture book 25 times. They don't care if you mispronounce everything. They they just, basically what would happen is Indiana Bones would sit down with Jay on the floor and Jay had a comfy pillow and Indiana Bones was right next to him and, and basically the dog would fall asleep. I mean, he just he just was such a wonderful, gentle dog and, and my Jason, would, he sat there I think it was 15 minutes. I feel like it was a 15 minute or maybe even a half hour reading session. Half hour seems too long, but maybe it was 15 minutes where he's, he's got this wonderful, warm, supportive friend. And he is just, and you know, he's just feeling like he's really communicating with him. And in fact, Jay chose books that were really appropriate. They all had to do with dogs because what he wanted was for Indiana bones to feel comfortable, like, he, he chose books that he thought Indiana Bones would like indie to his friends anyway. Um, and as I said, Jay was not a struggling reader. He just did it because it was fun. But for a struggling reader, this can be a complete game changer because you're not there's nobody waiting over your shoulder to judge you about how you're reading and, and you're getting that practice of reading out loud. And that that is just and you are the storyteller. Imagine the power in a little kid being the storyteller. I mean, there's really power in that. And so anyway, that's why I think that that step five is important. Finding a pet that your child can read to. It doesn't have to be a therapy dog. It can be it can be your neighbor's. Uh, it, it it has to be, an I would say, a non energetic dog. Like you can't you can't read to a dog who wants to play. So you need to find a dog who's pretty, maybe a little older, a senior dog would be a, maybe a good choice or, um, or even, I mean, think outside the box. Maybe our library offers this program. Maybe yours does too. And if it doesn't, maybe you could find a way to start it. I mean, that would, imagine the kids you could be helping if you went out outside of your own even and, and did this. So that's step five, find a pet that your child can read to. And step six, the last step on our list today is recognize different learning styles kids are different as we know in everything and reading is no different than that if you stop and think for a moment about the huge task that confronts a small child who's learning to read it's it's big right and and they have they've already mastered at this point they've probably mastered things like walking and running and they're 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 figuring out their routines and they are they're, you know they're they're learning to sit at dinner <laughs> right or we hope anyway they're learning to use their bodies in all these different ways. Um, they're, they're, they're just everything that they do, they do in their own unique way. And reading is going to be no different. So how do you approach this? You know, how, how will, not how you, how will you approach this? How will you, how will your child approach reading? Uh, it, it can tell you it's not going to be the same way that, that their older sibling did. And if, but if you look at them, you'll notice. I mean, this is going to be really intimate to you. Like, I can't tell you how my kids did it. And, and cause my kids are different than your kids. Right. So, so just kind of as they're acquiring the skill of reading, or if they've already cracked the code, just how they are helping themselves to improve. Cause as we said at the beginning, kids are learning all the time and they might learn by watching you read, you know, if you read a comic out loud that they think is hilarious, or if you are writing a list and you're, in your, you're saying what you, what you need to put on the list out loud and then you read it back to yourselves. I mean, kids are going to take different things away from that, but it will ultimately help them learn to read by seeing the adults around them and getting that example. So that's one way that they could learn. Um, And I think the best thing that you could do to help your children is to understand their different styles. Just watch how they do things and think of ways that you could maybe tailor their reading to their specific learning style. And I think most importantly is to take the pressure off. You want to you want to make reading seem like a game. You want it to be fun, you want it to be enjoyable, you want to open up lines of communication and and by the the one of the best ways to do that is to just take all the pressure off. It's okay if they if they screw up. It's really okay if they don't if they're not able to read even the simplest text god. I mean, everybody has their bad days, right? Take the pressure off because that's the best way to open up lines of communication. They'll feel like they have a friend and and they'll just feel better going back to it next time. So those are my six steps to help you raise kids who love to read. They are in order. Step one, let kids choose for themselves what to read. Step two, let them share about their reading or not as they choose. Step three, let them make mistakes when they read aloud. Please don't interrupt to correct their reading. I've seen it. It's not pretty. I've done it. It's not it's not it's not fun. Step four. Better yet, you read aloud. The best one on the whole list. Please go out and do this right now. Step five. Find a pet they can read to. And step six. Recognize their different learning styles. And again, if you want, you can go grab the PDF off of the website. We turned out OK and click that button that says help my readers. And that way you'll be getting the six steps um, and you'll also be getting a, a resources section to help you get started with what what do I read with my kids. And please let me know how it goes. I would love to hear from, from you all. Uh, I'd love to hear if the six steps work for you or if any one of them really resonated or if uh, if you have your own to add, if you have ideas that have really helped stop your young learners from backsliding in the summertime. I'd love to hear about that. So drop me a line. At, you can you can write me at Karen at we you can go to the contact page on my website so www, oh my god I'm sorry with this www. I'll try and stop that I don't know why I keep doing it today we out slash contact you can find me on Twitter at Stone Age techie and let me know how it's going over there you can friend me on Facebook Karen Locke Culp, or you can join the newly formed group we're just getting it going it is called it's the, you go to Facebook and you type in, we turned out. Okay. You have to spell it. Okay. A Y to get the group. I did have a page, which I think is disappearing, but I don't know. Facebook is really, <laughs> Facebook is confusing to me. So if all else fails, please friend me and we will figure out together how to get you into the group. Okay. Because I'd love to hear how it's going and how your reading is going, how your summer's going, how, how life is. And if I, especially if, if If something that you heard on my show has helped you, that's really my goal. I want to help parents relax and enjoy their kids and enjoy reading with them and just have a great summer. So, you know, find me and and just give me a shout out. I would love, love, love that. And also, I mean, iTunes, iTunes reviews really help because they help if you go to iTunes and you click on the ratings and review button and you... You click, you give me maybe, hopefully, you know, a good review, a, a good rating, and you write just just a sentence about what you've enjoyed here um, and what has really helped you. That that helps everybody because other parents are, the more, iTunes really loves when people rate and review because they know that this is a valuable podcast. It's, it's something valuable that people are getting something out of. And that gets it in for like iTunes will say, okay, let's put this in front of, more people kind of a thing. So that's how I've been on new and noteworthy. By the way, this podcast has, when you are a new podcast, you got eight weeks to be on new and noteworthy. That's what they consider new. And we've been since week two, we've been on new and noteworthy in three categories. And it's because of listeners rating, reviewing and and downloading and listening and, and just, you know, bringing in that feedback. So thank you. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so excited. I mean, three places for for uh, four weeks now. We're into the sixth week of the podcast, so I really hope to be up there in the in the coming last couple of weeks. And and I just I just feel so prap, proud, happy, prappy. Yeah, <laughs> proud, happy, and excited because I I it gives me the feedback that I'm helping people, I'm reaching the right folks, and I'm helping them. Anyway, with that, friends, you have been listening to episode 11 of We Turned Out Okay. And I just want to leave a huge thanks today, say a huge thanks today to our producer, the man who would rather be fishing, 17-time winner of the Husband of the Year Award, Benjamin Culp. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to We Turned Out Okay. I want to dig to Australia. Find us on the web at weturnedoutok.com, where you'll find show notes and more. What do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. And remember, we only go around once. To be the best parents we can be, let's relax and enjoy the ride. Peter 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 Derp. Peter Peter Derp.